where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. everybody, it's Michael Thiessen here, and what another beautiful day to do an interview. Today I am joined with George Carneal. George is a resident of Tennessee, uh, and he's coming to us today with a really important message. George, already I can see on your, uh, your name label. Uh, folks, you can go listen uh, and learn more from George at georgecarneal.com. And today, George and I are going to be talking about his book and then just some of the questions that I have uh, about the homosexual lifestyle. And George's uh, had an incredible journey out, out of that lifestyle, out of that um, those, those sinful habitual choices. And, and, and he wants to talk to you about it now. So, George, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate this. I am sure that this is a, a pretty hot topic for you in your life as you, as you – uh, share your testimony with other people. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. So, George, would you start with a little bit of the background and a little bit of your testimony so people can get to know you? Yes. Uh, my father's a, a Baptist minister, and I grew up mostly in the South. And got, I, I wrote the book From Queer to Christ to really try to give three main points to help Christians understand what this issue is like. And I wrote it from the perspective of a child dealing with this issue. And especially in the seventies when people weren't talking about it and celebrities weren't coming out of the closet, I was really dealing with this monster in my head. And I just wanted to give Christians some insight into what a person who is struggling with the same sex attraction is going through. And I basically detail just the pain and the sorrow of going through all of that, all through middle school and high school and not understanding it, not having anyone to talk to about it. And then to also give parents who have LGBT kids an understanding of the issue and hopefully be more equipped as to how to better handle helping their children versus pushing them away, the things to do and not to do, and more so to help LGBT individuals who feel like garbage, who feel like that they just that God couldn't love them and that they want to commit suicide, that they're struggling with depression and a bunch of addictions. I want to give them hope. And I, I am not X-rated in the book, but I don't sugarcoat my life. But I hope that if they read it, they will see that if God can turn my life around, he can certainly turn yours around. So it's to give them hope. So I really wanted to write the book just to really give the journey of what how the foundation was really laid and why I became so easily ensnared in that life when I first walked into a gay bar. Okay. So first of all, just, uh, for my listeners, everybody knows that, uh, we, we just deal with real life issues here and we, um, 
you know, sexual temptation is, is no, um, secret to anybody. Uh, sexual temptation comes in many different forms. So George, when you talked about your sexual temptation or when you talked about same sex attraction, you know, uh, I want to be careful with my listeners just so everybody knows, like, you know, we're here talking about sexual purity before God. Sexual purity is supposed to be not men looking at women lustfully, not men treating women lustfully, not engaging in sexual intercourse outside of a a male, female, lifelong marriage commitment. And then of course the same goes for that in the same, in, in in a same sex way. Men are not to be, lusting after other men, men are not to be pursuing other men. And that, that, that male on male or female on female relationship does not fit within God's design of two, one male, one female. So we're all in this journey of sexual temptation. We're all struggling with, uh, different ways of, of staying pure. Um, so George, you fell into a lifestyle that was certainly, obviously you said you grew up in a in a, in a Christian home. And, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor and I have a great desire for my kids to live virtuously. Um, what was it like? When did you start, um, having these feelings and temptations? And then how did you fall into the lifestyle and, and stay there? And how long did you stay there? It started for me when I was young. I just remember in first grade being attracted to a little girl, but also a boy in my class. But as the years went on, I found myself becoming more and more attracted to men or guys. What really, I think, pushed me in that direction was, number one, I didn't have a close relationship with my father because he was always gone or busy with the demands of the ministry. And he wasn't very demonstrative in his love and affection like he would for little girls, like I have a sister. But... I was also rejected by my male peers. I was just bullied all of the time. I really was deficient in male bonding. I had a lot of female love from my grandmother, my mom, my sister, and even the girls that I was in school with. So I was saturated and really filled with love from females. So when I walked into a gay bar at 18, it was the first time that I was getting a different kind of reaction from guys than I was when I was being bullied. And understand when you go through 18 years of not having any real affection, what heterosexuals take for granted in terms of going to the prom and dating, it was very painful for me to see girls getting chocolate and flowers and and being asked out to the prom when I so desperately wanted that from a guy as well. So when I went into a gay bar and men started looking at me differently, not the type of attention I really needed, but I became so easily addicted to that lifestyle, that, that uh, attention from guys and sleeping with men because the sleeping with them really had to be part of the equation in order to have that time with them. So sex came with it, but it was really just the thought or just this need to be with a guy to be held to be, or feel like I was loved and just having affection, male bonding. And that's why it became so addicting to me. And it really is a common thing with not only gays, but lesbians. We there to have hundreds of partners in that lifestyle is the norm. Some will say, well, it's not everyone, but it's the norm and not the exception. Um, So I spent 25 years in that life, but when I walked into that life, while it felt good at the beginning, and I want LGBT 
individuals who are the youth who first go into that life, it feels great because you say to yourself, well, if I feel good, then this must be who I am. So God must be okay with it. He must have created me this way. But within three years of walking into a gay bar, I was battling drugs and alcohol, a sex addiction. I was so depressed and suicidal all of the time. And I eventually attempted suicide. I became a prostitute. I mean, my life really went downhill quickly and it would still be another 22 years before God got me out of that life. So I guess I would say what really drives so many individuals into that life is, is there's a need somewhere. There's something that's either deficient or a lot of the individuals have really suffered a lot of shame, trauma, rejection, perhaps sexual, physical, mental, verbal, emotional abuse. And there are many reasons as to why we all act out differently and turn to porn, drugs, alcohol, sex, and even the homosexual lifestyle. But it really was a sad journey because when mean-spirited Christians give the notion that God hates fags, uh, God's all fags are going to hell. God hates you. You're too far gone. It steals the hope. And I never knew that Jesus Christ was the answer, even though I was raised in a church. And I thought I'm condemned for something I didn't ask for and condemned for something I hadn't done yet. And God supposedly hates me and I'm going to hell. Well, then I just told God I hated him. I hated my dad and I hated anyone who talked about the issue. And I really went on a path of just sadly self-destruction because I had no hope and I thought, well, then if I have no hope and I'm going to die and go to hell anyway, fine. I'm just going to fully immerse myself in this life. And I really paid a price for it. George, there are so many questions that I want to ask you to, as follow up. And um, I'm going to start with uh, the question about uh, uh, you know a healthy Christian family then. And, and again, this is you've already been a bit you've already been very transparent and this is a, a tough question, but it seems to me that the stereotypes of those people who struggle with same sex attraction seems so consistent that young men are looking for male attention, but they are looking for it in the wrong places in, in the same way that I would see many young women struggle with just maybe being um uh sexually um sexually active and and sexually promiscuous with men because they were looking for that male uh attention from their father um it seems a similar common place for young men to to have that that same difficulty and then of course for women, the, the 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 such the common stereotype seems to be that though the the young women who have uh, experienced sexual abuse as women and then therefore don't trust men, instead of looking to men for that attention because they haven't received it, they then now because they don't have a trust for men, they look to other women for that, and that seems like such a common theme, and. I guess my question for you is as, as parents, is it again, I don't want to say as simple as, but as profound as making sure that as mothers and fathers, we are providing the affection and the attention that our children need so that they're not, you know, looking for love in all of the wrong places. 
Well, I also want to be fair and state as far as the lesbian side of things, a lot of the, the reason a lot of the females go to the lesbian side is also because they have very cold, cruel, and distant mothers, the mothers who aren't very affectionate and loving. So there's a myriad of reasons why, and there are even some gay men who hate women because their mothers were so cold and cruel. Maybe they were raised in a single home. So there's a myriad of reasons as to why uh, young men and women get into that life. But the thing... To answer your question, the thing about parents, Mike, I have to tell you what really burns me up is about men in general who have this macho thing and they feel like, oh, you know, if my boy falls down, you know, suck it up. You're tough. Get up. Not all boys are wired the same way. That works for some of the young men. But for young boys who are very sensitive, it doesn't mean that they are homosexual. They just may be sensitive boys. And we know some of them go on to be they're very heterosexual and they move into the arts and, and become rock stars and what have you. The point is, is that men must be, I think the first five, six, seven years of a young boy's life is crucial. That father must hug and embrace that young man, affirm him, affirm his masculinity. Um, I just think that for, for, in my case, I needed, that, those hugs and that love from my dad, I think it would have offset what I was going through with the bullying from my male peers. Now, had my father been distant and the young men in my school ha had been accepting of me, maybe there would have been a balance and maybe I wouldn't have gone down that path. But it is so key for mothers and fathers to love. We need same sex bonding. It is so important for the young girl to to bond with her mother and the young boy bond with his father and fathers need to hug their children and uh, their sons and the mothers, their daughters, because if you don't, if they are deficient in that area, there are plenty of men and women waiting in the bars who are going to take over and do what you didn't do, but their motives aren't going to be pure. It's going to take advantage of them and have sex with them. You know, I, I appreciate that. I, I feel like I am in, um, in the freedom world. I feel like I am in a healthy place of very, very macho men who are extremely sensitive and kind and caring for their kids. I think of some of the most manly men I know, and they are very tender with their children, right? And so there's there's not this okay. dichotomy. Um, I, I just say that because I openly want guys to be more masculine in the sense of culture is attacking masculinity culture is attacking you know go shoot a deer and 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 butcher it and eat it and grill it and you know slow smoke it and like culture is wanting to <laughs> make all of some of those uh uh you know i, I want to say provider i want to say protector role and and of course with the testosterone flowing through our body, the the uh, the uh, aggressive role, culture is trying to speak so negatively of that that I that I I tend to promote that. But I understand exactly what you're saying because I I have a father and I and I look around at the men that I really respect and they are both uh, spurring their sons to be men and know their place in the home, but but dealing with them tenderly and individually. I, you know, George, just so you know a little bit about me, I was always that guy that was right in the middle. Like I, I could go play sports and I, and I'm short, but I'm, but I'm persistent enough 
that I can probably be middle of the pack at anything I try. And if I try really hard, I can be a little bit better than middle of the pack. And then at the same mm-hmm. time, though, I could turn around and be in drama and enjoy that and and in the arts. And so I know what you mean because it's it, people think that there has to be this great divide between being masculine and artistic. And, and the reality of it is, is there doesn't have to be. And certainly tenderness and physical affection to your children. I, I think the same is so true of the opposite sex as well. We need to be affectionate and appropriate and uh, caring for the opposite sex. But sometimes it's a little bit easier uh, as parents for us to do that uh, in the in the opposite way. So I really appreciate that. Now, okay, so this leads us to another part of the question because you said something early on and it tugged on my heart. And and I'm going to tell you that I'm probably struggling with the other side of the coin right now. And so I'll just – when you said um, – when you said, you know, I think cruel – I don't know if you used the word cruel, but you, you described some Christians that were very harsh, let's say. Now, again, we're, the, we're the way the pendulum is swinging, the pendulum is swinging to say everything is okay. So as a pastor, preacher, communicator, I tend to want to go, okay, well, no, like, let's call sodomy sodomy. Like, let, 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 let's let call, you know, sin, sin. Let's not uh, sugarcoat anything. And so where is that balance between very clear, a very clear description of confronting sin and, and pushing away? Because as a pastor, I've, I've, I've experienced this with many people. So I had a young man, went on a date with a girl, first night had sex with her, came back to me and said he wanted to marry her. She's not a believer and they've, they've immediately sinned. And my, my response to him was, you've got to break up with her. You've got to stop mm-hmm. your intimacy with her. And then you have to you know, step away and help people introduce her to Christ. Now, his response was, the way you're talking to me is making me want to not talk about this. And so he went away and convinced his family for a while that I was pushing him away. So I want to talk a little bit about this, the difference between being very clear and, and almost confronting because we all need to be confronted with our sin. What's the difference between that and pushing it away? So how do you discern the difference? Because now I'm sure you're talking with a lot of people and you want to be clear with them. What's the difference? Is it simply, is it simply that like there is a, there's a difference between being cruel and being clear. Go ahead. Okay. As I discussed in my book, when I was growing up and, and I know that I'm going to speak for a lot of LGBT individuals who were raised in the church and they're going to get this. What infuriated me was how a pastor would stand in the pulpit and would rail, beat the pulpit railing against the sodomites, the perverts, the homosexuals, but they got a very soft tone when it came to divorce or the sins of heterosexuals. And I remember being in a church where they, or in several churches, they offered classes for divorced individuals. We know what God's word says about divorce. And I would notice that these people could find a community of others who've been through it and they would lift each other up, encourage them and support them. And some of them would go on to meet somebody else and get married. It burned me up that they wouldn't have a class for LGBT individuals because I needed to connect with others who were also struggling so we could also lift each other up and encourage each other. And I found the hypocrisy infuriating and it just made me hate Christians all the, the more. And it wasn't so much about speaking about the sin, but it was the tone and in the manner. So let me explain a Christian 
who really doesn't have the heart of Christ is so quick to point out everything that God's word says about homosexuality, and they will beat you over the head with it. You know, it's wrong. You shouldn't do this. It's an abomination. And then they just leave that that poor man or woman hanging. Whereas how about saying, look, and doing it in love, look at all of the areas in where God's word speaks about homosexuality, spoken of in a negative light and what have you. But then turn around and show them in God's word where sharing the gospel, how much Jesus loved them, how much he's invested in them. He died on the cross for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knew you when he formed you in the womb. The love of what Jesus did on the cross for them and how that while God's word has a lot to say about homosexuality, God's word has a lot to say about uh, heterosexual sins. It sure does. But it will help the LGBT individual to see that God is not unjustly picking on the LGBT individual. And I never saw how much God loved the LGBT individual or anyone who's in bondage until I really read God's word. And it was when I, I was then able to see because of the work that God was doing in my life, I am so grateful that he was patient with me because I had such a hatred for Christians. And the reason why my journey was so long and while it took and, and what caused me to have to take a long journey before getting back to Christ was before I wasn't so much necessarily resistant to God. I absolutely believed in him and I believed in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. But I thought that he didn't want anything to do with me. And that's why I wanted to avoid Christians. And so that's why I went into the occult and into new age teachings and into Hinduism. I was trying to get to God through another avenue because I was trying to avoid the Christians. So my point is this. Christians, it's okay to speak the truth of God's word, but do it in love, but give that individual hope. Don't just point out the negative and then leave them hanging. Walk with them on the the journey. Let them know that they are more than welcome to come into the church and that while we don't stand for the sin of homosexuality, we don't stand for pornography and uh married couples having sex outside of marriage or shacking up and not being married. Make it clear that we're not picking on anyone unjustly. We are fair when it comes to sin and give that individual hope. And it's not the job of Christians to change that individual. They do not have to be perfect walking into the church, but if they can come in and sit under the conviction of a pastor who has the guts to speak the truth of God's word. And that means, yes, he's love, but he's also a God of judgment and how much he hates sin. Let the Holy Spirit work in that individual's life. I've seen it happen. And he, it, the Holy Spirit is doing the work and God is in the saving and the deliverance business. I, w- I want everybody to hear what George said there uh, about being consistent. And, and uh, George, I appreciate that because I, I do agree with you that um, there are there are many places where we can go where there's a lack of consistency, just a, an overlooking of many overt sins in the church and a selection uh, of what we're going to call out. And uh, the reality of it is, it is the role of the pastor to preach the whole counsel of God. And that whole counsel of God means covering it all and and offering the redemption and the redemption through repentance for every and any sin. And uh, I, I, I do appreciate that because I, I, um, I tend to be a bit of more of that prophet standing out in the in the wind, crying out, you know, uh, for justice of the Lord. And uh, it, 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 you do benefit if you do it in a balanced way. And when I say balanced, I mean when you're really trying to deal 
and having everybody come to that freedom in Christ and not just a select group of people that you that that you dislike. Um, okay, so this this leads uh, me to another question. And as we were talking about this, um, we talked a lot about the, the cause of of some of potentially why people would be coping with what they're feeling with and then turning in, in into sin. So again, here, here we are on, you know, one side of the coin is that we can see a lot, a lot of causality. The other side of the coin is that we believe that, that, that everyone knows that they're in sin. You know, scripture teaches clearly that um, through general creation alone, people are able to understand when they're in sin and then they actively suppress the truth. So, what was your journey like on your end of things? And when I say that, I mean, how was God working all through that time for you to know that, you know, even though I can point to this and this, and these things are a part of my struggle, I'm right now myself choosing this knowingly against the Lord. Even there was one point where my parents, we were living in Florida and they had moved back to Tennessee and I stayed in Florida and I was living with a drag queen. One night I was going out to a gay bar and there were several men around me. And as we were going in, I, I was surprised that even then the Lord cared about me, but he turned down the volume of everything around me and asked me, I heard it as clear as day. If you were to die tonight, would you go to hell? Stopped me in my tracks. And I just dismissed him. I hated God. I hated Christians and I wanted nothing else to do with it. But even through this journey, I can look back and I can see instances of where God's hand of protection was over me because why I'm not HIV positive or dead from the drug overdoses or drinking and driving or um, prostitution. And, and I had a frightening experience and I talk about it in the book. The stupid things that I was doing, I have no idea why I'm even here today, but I think it's a testament to the parent who truly is walking with the Lord and turns their children over to God and prays for them and prays for them continually. I have no doubt that it was the prayers of my parents and the Christians in my life who truly had the heart of Christ as to why I believe God really had mercy on me. And I don't know if that really, if, if I answered your question, uh, if I didn't ask it again and I'll, uh, the question is just around how quickly we're turning everybody into victims rather than oh, re rebels. Okay. And so you're close to like, you, you answered it in part, but it just, you, you answered like you, the, the, you were being prompted by the Holy spirit. You were, you were, you were uh, remembering uh, doctrinal teaching that you had had. And you knew in that moment that you were going to, be accountable to the Lord for your behavior. So that is the type of question that I'm getting at. It, that's really kind of where I was going at. We tend to victimize all of ourselves, you know, like I was exposed to pornography at a very young age. And so it just, it, that was, that's just an ongoing battle that I have accountability partners for and all of those types of things. But at the end of the day, anytime I look at a woman lustfully, if I choose, you know, if I choose to let my gaze, remain upon her every single time it's like okay that's sin like i i know that's wrong i've objectified her mm -hmm. yeah i i don't i don't need mm -hmm. to go and do any bible study or anything about that any it, i've you've i've always known it 
And that, that's kind of where I was getting at. Like, even though you're reaching out, you're going 18 years old, going into this gay bar, uh, to start this lifestyle, how were you, were, were you immediately aware that, okay, this is not a good, this is not a good thing that I'm doing. Now I have the answer for you. Okay. <laughs> um, what I wish Christians would understand is just let's remove God from the equation. We as human beings want to love and be loved. So this was the battle for me. I may have known what I was doing was wrong and there was a lot of internal conflict, but to the heterosexual understand when you are being told that you can't be a homosexual and love somebody and follow Christ at the same time, it was an, it's an equally, heavy decision you've got to make here because I wanted to please God. I would like to have had a relationship with Christ, but I wanted to love and be loved. And so when my father would even have this conversation with me, it would infuriate me. And I would just go through such a spiral of emotions because you're hurting me. You're telling me I can't love someone. And I've got to think about growing old because if God doesn't change my feelings to where I have an attraction toward a woman, am I just supposed to spend my life alone? And this is where the depression would just kick in. And I would just go into a rage with him and we would just go at it. So the only way I think I can get heterosexuals to understand this, and especially Christians, is if God today said that heterosexuality was wrong under all circumstances and that homosexuality was his divine intention. And you had to leave your wife or your husband and go be with someone of the same sex. And you must be intimate with them. To most of you, you're so grossed out at the thought of that. That's the way it is for a same-sex attractive person who is being told you need to think about having sexual intercourse or relations and intimacy with someone of the opposite sex. It's just as disgusting. But here's the kicker. If you guys are being told this and then you're unable to do it and you're depressed and you're suicidal and you come to me as a pastor and I so callously tell you, well, then you don't, you love your sin. You don't really love God and you're not trying to change. If you can really put yourself in that position and think, wow, what would it be like if I was, if I was confronted with that, maybe you could have some insight into then what it's for, like for that same sex attracted LGBT individual who so many of whom really do love God and they were raised in a Christian home, but there's that battle. And perhaps you could approach it more from a stance of I've looked at it the other way and I have a lot more empathy and compassion now and just change your approach and how you do it and just try to give them some comfort and say, look, it's no different than the single man or woman who's in the church who so long, who so desperately wants to get married and have a family, but they can't, but that doesn't give them the right to just go shack up with someone and have sex and, and have children. So they equally have their own burdens uh, to burden in, re, in regard to that area. So I think the bottom line is, is if churches would really work to develop programs for the single individuals, both gay and straight, to where they could have a sense of community and friendships to help each other and lift each other up, it might make leaving that life easier and that burden be lifted to some degree. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I um, it, it leads into another question, and it, it's an area that um, it, it, you broached it, and 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 I, th I think we're going to spend some time 
in the future, just kind of unpacking, you've alluded to the dangers of this lifestyle. And of course, our culture is trying to paint this as a, you know, romantic, healthy, happy lifestyle. And um, I really do want to get into th- those difficult experiences that you had and, and, and the reality of where this lifestyle leads. But as we're getting into these different topics, it's it's helpful for me to kind of just respond because I think this is how a natural conversation with a pastor would go. So my, my question mm-hmm. for you, George, would be that you use the example of me leaving my wife and and then having to not pursue any other relationship. And I think – in one sense, that's a bit unfair because there's a there there's a covenant, there's a life already established. But maybe in another sense, it is fair because we'd be asking two individuals who had uh, entered into a relationship that they saw as committed and whatnot. So let's just say it's a fair analogy. Um, the one thing that that I do with young adults in all walks of life is I try to give them a vision of God's plan for a home, like this, this beautiful picture of what it would, what's it like for uh, a husband to care for a woman, uh, a a husband to care for a wife, a wife to care for a husband, to rear children. And um, to some of the young men who in my life have struggled with same sex attraction, they're, they've already opted out of the lifestyle and we've become friends after that. And but they ask me for to pastor them. The one thing I do is try to give them a vision for a home. And so I'm just going to ask this to, to you kind of honestly. With many men who I think would struggle uh, with same-sex attraction, I see them as sensitive, attentive, affectionate people who would probably just absolutely do great as dads. And as husbands. And so when it comes down to attraction, my encouragement to them would be, can you think of this as like a, as a mission of fulfilling God's part of God's plan? Like it, it, if, if, if you can stay single because you feel like you need to, okay. But if you're really longing for a relationship, pursue a relationship that God has designed so that you can fulfill his vision for the home. And that in itself will give you a measure of fulfillment. Now that would require being honest with a young woman saying that there's same sex attraction uh, elsewhere. I guess to, to get to the bones of my question would be, is it, is it something that is like to fulfill that vision of the home? Is it an impossibility? Is it, is it truly, gross in the mind of a guy who's same sex attracted to go out and develop a relationship with a woman in a, in a sexually intimate way. Um, or, or can someone who struggles with this go out and, and fulfill certain aspects of the home, be a great dad, be a great husband. And this area just not be the driving, the driving area of the marriage. That took a long time for me to ask that question. Um, but it goes towards what you're saying because so often we need to confront the sin, present redemption, and then we're trying to also give an option of, of God's vision. Uh, and and 
I guess I, I just want your, your, your gut response to that. I need to break this down for a moment. Okay. There's two sides to this. If there is a young man or a young boy who really was heterosexual, so to speak, but somewhere along the way he was molested or raped or abused by someone, by a male or the female by a female, that's going to mess up their mind and send some confusion. And there are many gay men and lesbians who've gone into the life who really were more predisposed to the heterosexual side of things. I have seen and found in, in, in my um, view of this, those who went down that path, once they got the right kind of counseling and the Holy Spirit did a work in them and they got the healing from that trauma that they went through, they've been able to successfully go on to lead heterosexual lives. I know that there are some gay men who are fully same-sex attracted who want to live a godly life and they've been able to successfully leave that life and they've gotten married. Some unfortunately can't bear under the, the weight and then they leave. And, and there are women who've done it too. I know women who've left their husbands to go into the lesbian lifestyle. There's again, there's a number of reasons why people are struggling with something, but for the same sex, the truly same sex attracted individual like myself as a very early at a very early age, I don't know if it's really possible, but I will say this. The question I often get, and this is what really irks me about a lot of Christians who are so impatient. They think that once you give your life to Christ, your life is wonderful. You're perfect. Your problems disappear, and you should now be heterosexual. What they fail to realize is the first 18 years of my life, I was struggling with this monster. And then 25 years I spent in that life. You don't spend 43 years of your life in that and dealing with that issue and walk out and suddenly become heterosexual for me and my journey, because this is what a lot of gay men ask me and even Christians is what is it like? God has really had to do a healing with me in terms of my childhood issues and my own shame, rejection, trauma, and what have you. And through a lot of counseling, God has taken away that grip, that need to sleep with men. But God has really been working more on helping me to have a relationship with him because I need to be healthy before I can consider bringing a woman into my life. It's not to say that it may not happen. I'm not close to anything, but I think it's different for everyone, Mike. But I think the success rate for most guys is if they were leaning heterosexual to begin with and had some kind of trauma, but were able to overcome that. I think they do better and are more successful at that than the truly same sex young boy or girl, but you know, there are exceptions to every rule. This episode is brought to you by Rocklink Investment Partners. The team at Rocklink, as we all know them and love them, does not support a woke Marxist WEF friendly cancel culture worldview. And they've created the Kokomo Fund. In light of bank accounts being seized and frozen during the Emergencies Act or its former truer name, the War Measures Act, Rocklink can help you move your investments overseas based on in the Cayman Islands, the world's number one offshore market for investment funds. Give the freedom lovers at Rocklink a call, as many of our staff have, at 905-631-5462 or send them an email at info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink with a C 
com. Oh, I appreciate that. And I think that I think you focused on something that's really important. And that is that for all of us, giving too much weight to any any relationship or any multitude of relationships rather than uh, putting our weight on Christ and and developing a mm-hmm. very healthy relationship w- with the Lord. Uh, you know, um, Paul has ov- obviously talked about that in scripture, that there are some individuals who are able to, through you know, in, a, in, a, in a solid relationship with Christ, then veer away from uh, sexual temptations. And then, you know, th- there's the rest of us that are that are really struggling with it. And the idea would be that drawing closer to Christ in any time is going to help you uh, not place too much weight, even sinful weight to manipulate somebody into having a relationship with you. And so, no, I do appreciate that. I think my question just continues to come with, you know, giving people vision for what, and, you know, you talked about that real loneliness. Um, So part of that, you know, part of that is giving the whole church a vision for, uh, including, uh, every, you know, men and women and children and, and singles and marrieds and, 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 and being attentive that people are cared for married or single in adulthood. And that's a, that's a great way in order to, to, um, help individuals who are single. Um, but I, I value the vision of the home so much that I hope it calls, people towards um towards promoting healthy families and so in my mind that's always just been a journey like how much can someone it's it's, i don't want to say it's the same but it would be something like you know the person who is really struggling with a pornography addiction you know counseling Mm -hmm. them towards you know having a vision for their wife alone for the sake of the home as a way to motivate them more than anything. So I really appreciate your answer that there's people are, people are going to have different struggles in that. Go ahead. But may I, may I also add to that though, Mike, uh, you know, it's not God's design for every man and woman to be with someone. I know so many, especially women and some men who grew old and they never found someone. And I really resent the pressure that society pushes on single people. I know a lot of single people who love being single. I'm one of them. I don't need to be in a relationship. I don't need someone to compliment me. My relationship was with Christ. And to me, that's more than sufficient. Now, if, if I end up one day getting married and we have a wonderful relationship, great. That's icing on the cake. But there are a lot of single people who feel so much pressure that they will just take anybody for merely just trying to get their parents off of their back because their parents are always screaming, we want grandchildren. And I think that we have made uh, relationships almost idolatrous and we put so much emphasis on this. Um, you know, sex and romance is overrated. Let's just be honest. And some people just aren't really good at it. So I think it's better to be single than to get involved with someone and you bring children into this world and then you feel you got to go cheat or you want a divorce. I think people are getting together for the wrong reasons. And unless they are truly in a church setting and truly following the Lord and reading God's word and letting God bring that individual into their life. This is where so many people mess up because they're thinking with their crotch and not with their head and letting the Lord lead them. I think that's why we have so many problems in our society. So while I 
completely agree with you the importance of families and the father and the mother and the home and children and how they are supposed to be reared according to God's word. It really puts a lot of pressure and makes people resentful who are single, who either can't find someone because the dating market is hard these days. A lot of men and women will tell you that, but others simply like being single. And it really makes people feel less than. And I will tell you, Mike, one of the hardest things for me is when I'm sitting in a church and they perhaps have a day of, oh, we're going to have a family day. Everybody come. We're going to have a potluck. Bring your kids. I always avoid those events because it's a reminder to me of what I'm not, what I will never be, and I will never have children. And it really is painful for me. And I don't know if heterosexuals or pastors really stop to think about that. So also have make sure those events are either very inclusive of single people or have a separate event for them. And I want to make something clear. A lot of what I'm saying, I'm having to really identify from the, the LGBT aspect to make my point. But my identity is now in Christ. It's not in my sexuality. But I just nearly merely need to stand with that side for the moment to merely discuss this issue and talk about the pain of what it's like to be on that side of things. But I want to make it clear. My identity is now in Christ. Yeah, no, I, I totally appreciate that, George. And, and I, in some respects, like if, if we were to take away the weight of the, the same sex discussion, uh, we're having an age old conversation that, you know, I've, you know, I've been a pastor now for 25 years and we've been having this conversation long before I was a pastor, just while I was a kid in the church. How do you make sure that individuals uh, are cared for and how do you make sure that you know yeah. uh you you you, you felt uh, childhood um rejection you know that that, that shouldn't be happening uh, in any church and, and when i say it shouldn't be I, I we recognize sin is everywhere and so it's going to happen but the, but the reality of it is is we are all supposed to be very attentive to bear one another's burdens to 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 look yeah. out for one another and uh so so i i totally hear that 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 tension and um and again it, it's a good reminder to know that you know i want to say this sounds it's it sounds almost infantile but it's a good reminder to to, to remember that marriage doesn't solve anything it's all it's all everything right the flip side i've just tried to go okay god god has a great vision for people uh and many of those that's going to be fulfilled in a home and so that's an area that i've tried in my counseling and and your 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 information here is definitely going to be helping me with with be having a nuanced approach and and having a careful approach so you know thank you for discussing all of this and again our listeners listeners you, you should just be remembering like you know if if you're a parent and you've got a a young 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 boy and you see uh, another young guy in the church that's not being included you you know you want to you want to get out there and you want to by lead by example go make sure that that young guy is cared for and then you know take your your young boy with you and make sure that there's that that care and sensitivity and uh and love that that's that's being portrayed okay so George, let's get into it. So I'll tell you a little bit about my life. I had a I had a very transformative relationship when I was about 19 years old. I I, I met um, a guy who worked at the same company that I did. Uh, he was openly gay, and uh, we had a rule. And here was our rule. Our rule was, as a Christian, I could ask him any question I wanted. And as someone who is already who is angry at the church. And who uh, was living this lifestyle, he could ask me any question he wanted. 
both w- had an intentionality of piercing through the kind of the uh, you know the the covid mask that we would have all put on and get to the real point of it so he kind of wanted to know what my real struggles with whether i really liked the church as much and like we'd have these long conversations and i wanted to know about like the truth about the homosexual lifestyle and so for me a lot of my questions were answered because we had a we had a great open relationship and i preached the gospel to him lots we confronted each other of our own hypocrisies and uh, to this day i'm unaware if he ever repented of his sin um, but certainly our relationship was helpful for me to understand reality as it is. And so many people are living mm-hmm. outside of reality. You've written a book about this. Can you share with individuals what it is like actually living in a, in a, in a, in the homosexual world? And, you know, I've got, you know, damages to your body, uh, actual habits, um, number of partners, you know, we've touched on a little bit of this, but would you really help kind of strip away for my listeners, the romanticized version of this lifestyle? And, uh, I, I know you've written openly about this. I'm thank you. I'm thankful that you're willing to share about it. Especially to the woke Christians who think you are doing the most wonderful thing by being loving and, and being Christ-like by affirming that individual, I want to tell you the reality of what it's like. Once you affirm that individual, Christians should always be loving towards someone, but you should still call out sin for what it is and make sure you're not being hypocritical about it. But when you, I'm going to start with the men and then the women and then the transgender issue, and I'll try to keep it brief. But for the guy who goes into that lifestyle, it's a very promiscuous life. No one gives a crap how smart you are or what you've accomplished in life. When you walk into the bar, you are surrounded by men and all, and I'm guilty of it too. When that person walks in, all you're doing is sizing them up. Is this someone that I would like to sleep with? It's a meat market. So if you are a person who is looking to really find relationships and have substance in that life, it is very impossible. Sure. You can have gay friends, but it still doesn't, fill that void. All I know, all I know is that I felt empty. And when I would walk into these gay bars and you just feel the weight of everyone staring because you know, they're sizing you up. I would just go and sit down and then you start trying to cruise. And then as the evening goes on, you so desperately want affection and attention, but you're not going to find it in that life. That's the first discouraging part. Secondly, those who are in relationships and gay men will come at me sometimes for this, but this is the norm, not the exception. Most of them in a relationship, and they may not tell you this. They may say, oh, we've been together five years. Doesn't mean anything because a lot of the gay couples have open relationships. And I know men who've been together 10, 15, 20, 25 years who will invite other guys into the relationship And so that's what discouraged me anymore, because what's the point of being in a relationship unless you are actually in a relationship? Maybe I'm old fashioned that way. So it would discourage me because it would take away the hope of me thinking I was going to ever find someone who actually had somewhat of a moral compass and would be faithful. Because what you don't understand is when that person goes and cheats on you, 
we now we've got the whole other issue of sexually transmitted diseases. And what the youth of today don't understand is, is that in the 80s, when we came out of the closet and all of the men were starting to die from AIDS, I got to see firsthand what it looked like for people whose bodies were ravaged by that disease. And I know one man who said that by the time he was 25, he had already lost 50 friends and he stopped counting. We saw them dropping like flies. The media hardly talks about that. And I know the number of youth or 19, 18, 19, 20 year olds in the gay life who are already HIV positive. And there are a lot of gay men who have who have no hope. So they will intentionally go and sleep with other gay men who are HIV positive because then once they are HIV positive, then they can just go sleep around and do what they want. And most of the men will not be up front and tell you that they have it. That's in and of itself another issue, not to mention all of the other sexually transmitted diseases. Then you've got the pornography. George, before you go, go ahead, on, um, uh, I want to take two steps back. We're going to start with the HIV. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but these are just important questions. Yeah. So um, I thought HIV was solved. And, and what I mean by that is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn on my television and I'll see I'll see uh, ads for drugs in dealing with HIV. I, uh, I literally think back to when Queen made their their comeback at the Live Aid uh, performance. I thought that we solved I, – I, I'm being a bit facetious here, but we never hear about HIV anymore. I don't think young people think that you can still contract it, get sick from it, and die from it. George, can you just unpack a little bit? Like, have they developed drugs to help people live with it, and therefore people aren't dying at the same rate? Are they dying at the same rate, and we're just not talking about it at all? Can you talk just a little bit about HIV, and then we're going to go one step back to talk about relationships for a second? Okay, they have what they call cocktails and, and drugs that are designed to prolong the life of the individual. But with those drugs, they don't discuss the effects of what it does to the body, the swelling of the stomach, and just a whole slew of other issues. All it's doing is prolonging the inevitable. Um, again, once the body breaks down and that person dies from AIDS, to watch that person, they look like concentration camp victims and the purple lesions and all of the spots all over the body. It's a, a really horrific thing. On my YouTube channel, I actually have the testimony of a gentleman on his deathbed who died of it, who was, uh, who had AIDS. Um, I think he's been able to kind of prolong his life, but he warns you it's not worth it. So yeah, it's still there. I, I, I just can't tell you. It's, it's just something the media is not talking about. And these young men are going into this. And by the time they're 18, 19 and 20 year old, they may live to be another for another 20, 25 years, but the inevitable will come not to mention the syphilis, the herpes, um, all of the other things that, uh, that you, that they have not to mention the anal diseases from the anal intercourse. There's a whole slew of other issues that are going on there. I want Christians to understand when you affirm a young man or a woman going into this life, you really don't have any idea what you're doing and may God have mercy on you and, sh and you should go to God and repent and say, I love these individuals too much to, to affirm this, but to speak the truth. 
So, George, um, thank you for that, because I think many, many people um, really do not understand how deep and, and dark the, the, the sickness and the disease go that's related to this to, to, to the sexual lifestyle. Um, I wanted okay, going back one step to what we began with is is um, you've talked about like like basically people are promoting same sex monogamy, same sex marriage as the same thing as heterosexual marriage, and the reality of it is is it is it's a it's an utter bait and switch like it, it, it's a, it's a it's a lie in most most cases in order to get the same benefits legally that uh, uh that an actually married couple would get so can you talk can you unpack that a little bit about the idea of an open relationship because you know i just i've had bad i've had bad dreams where like i'll wake up like, i had a dream like three weeks ago i can remember it i woke up and the the dream was that my wife had kind of turned to me and and said you know i'm i'm off with so and so and uh wasn't a wasn't a graphic dream it wasn't but it was a very like emotionally charged dream and i remember waking up and kind of both feeling panicked feeling anger towards her utterly betrayed this is just a dream like this is just me like my, my wife is a beautiful beautiful woman an utterly faithful woman great and i had a dream and i felt all these things um what are these fraudulent relationships really like and and I use that word because I, again, I'm just trying to be honest about it. You, you, you mentioned it briefly, but you know, are, are people walking around even in marriages and just continually feeling broken and like, like a piece of meat? Many are. And I can't tell you the number of quote relationships I've had where the partner cheated on me. It's devastating. And I think that's why so many of especially gays and lesbians who they just become so bitter and hardened and you don't care to have relationships anymore because you've been hurt so much. What people don't understand is even with regard to the gay marriage, the divorce rate is twice that of the heterosexual marriage. And in the lesbian community, it's even two to three times higher than the gay men, which would be surprising to some because we think, Oh, women are more relational and they would stay together longer. But what, to you Christians now, if you have a daughter and you want to affirm and push her into that life, what they also don't talk about is the domestic violence issue of women. I know that the feminist push is to make men look like they are always the abusers, but the truth and the reality is, and there are statistics and there are even women who've come out and exposed this. Women tend to be more violent in domestic relationships than the men. But in the lesbian community, it is very high. I know so many lesbians who've been hauled off to jail for abusing their partners, or um, they've told me about the domestic abuse that they've been in. And the women can be just as uh, sexually promiscuous as the men and very aggressive. So there's a lot of issues. So again, when you're pushing people into this life, they are already at a disadvantage because there's going to be so much coming at them at them that is going to destroy their life. Not to mention the sadness, the sorrow, the emptiness, because now what most don't understand is, is once you hit 40 plus, 
you better make sure you look good and have a lot of money for plastic surgery because what a lot of people don't understand in the LGBT community is once you age in that life, you're pretty much discarded. You're not the desired meat on the market. So when I'm sitting in bars, and this was really a turning point for me, I was sitting in a bar in Hollywood and I would see old men just sitting there all the time getting drunk. And there was one man who sat there every week and would just drink. And it was as if God was impressing upon me, if this is the life you want, here it is. And it, it, it saddened me so much. My heart broke for that man. And a lot of the older gay men are just discarded uh, because once your looks fade and your body falls apart, nobody wants you. That's the reality of the LGBT life. And so it was really the beginning of the awakening for me to say, you know what? This is not going to be my life. I'm going to get out of this. And of course, the pornography alone, I will give one quick example, Mike. I knew of a young man, good looking, took care of himself, had a successful business and got involved in that life and really got caught up in the party scene. He got addicted to crystal meth. He lost everything. He turned to prostitution and has become HIV positive. I have seen so many lives destroyed. Men I know who've gone into the porn industry who are HIV positive. They're so mentally gone. Just... I can't even tell you what it does to your mind when you are around this cesspool of just filth and perversion and there's no light in that light in that life. And so for parents, especially who don't handle this the right way, when you push your kids into that life and you cut off that uh, line of communication, there is no godly influence. That's why it's so important that people really step back and just breathe and realize these are my kids and I love them. And no matter what, we're going to work through this. I hope that answered your question, Mike. No, it's it certainly, it's certainly in that area because, um, you know, again, even as you're describing the situation, I'm thinking, well, no, I'm, I'm sure that old gay men just find other old gay men to be companions with. Isn't that what gay marriage is all about? And it, there's a, there's yeah. this pervasive lie that's being shoved down our throats. And you're saying, no, Mike, that's not the reality. The reality of it is those guys end up being, a, you know, substance abusers and alone. And, uh, yep. um, you know, in the same way that, you know, uh, in the same way that heterosexual men who age and and uh, and don't have Christ and and cope with th their own uh, their own sexual uh, um, uh, desires uh, in in a, in a way, you know, it, we see many older men in not in the church but a, a, around where we go. That guy needs some care and attention, and it's not coming from mm -hmm. young women. But but you're 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 even talking about it being even more pervasive um and it's even like it's even just the same with women who sit in the bars and they're looking for love for men and then they age in that life nobody wants them unless they're just going to use them for sex but it's just sad because people are looking for something that they don't know that can be found in Christ that's really the bottom line yes that's right and and so much of their of their physical needs can be met and in loving, caring relationships when people are including them in the body of Christ. And then, and, and right. okay. So let's just keep going on with the hardness of the life, because I think this is such a lie that is out there. Um, so you, you, you've had this experience, this rejection, you've talked about some of the diseases physiologically, 
what is it like on the body for being involved in male on male same sex aside from the immense pressure to be perfect and physically i mean you've got to work out at the gym and and just you've got to look your best and be top notch at all times again with the sexually transmitted diseases and and i'm not going to be gross here i'm just saying from the anal aspect of this if they will do their research the number of gay men who are not only having a lot of pressure or a lot of issues with the rectal area but anal cancers mouth cancers from this men who have been so penetrated many times in such a violent or um, aggressive way just the loss of control of their bowels men who have to wear um diapers or have to have surgery to correct this. I'm trying to say it without being too graphic. Again, Christians, the next time somebody comes to you up to you and says, Oh, I'm gay and I'm lesbian or I'm trans. When you affirm them, congratulations, you've just sent them down this path of where it's, it's nothing but darkness and sadness and sorrow. And you're pushing them into further rebellion against God. And if you don't mind, Mike, I'd like to just touch briefly on the trans issue in terms of what happens to the body when somebody uh, goes down the path um, for the men, when you have your penis removed and they fashion this vagina, the body sees it as an open wound and it's constantly trying to close it. So you have to spend hours every day keeping that open using objects and what have you. Uh, the other issue is that I remember one guy said that it was impossible to keep to keep the inside clean because for a woman, I think it is self-cleaning, but he talked about the stench from that. And he said it caused his boyfriend to leave him or was considering that. And he was so depressed and despondent, but Walt Heyer, H E Y E R. He has a uh, sex change regret.com. I think is his website, but even he went through the process and there are men out there who've gone through this and had their penis removed who talk about what the devastating results of what this has done to their lives. Not to mention that for the men and women who go on estrogen and testosterone shots, you increase your risk of heart attacks and strokes and the risk of blood clots. For the females, once you go on testosterone, it is highly recommended that you have a hysterectomy and have your ovaries removed because if not, then you are at a higher risk for ovarian cancer. I know of one female who went through the process and the surgery was so botched. It, she has since had over 30 surgeries since then to correct all of the problems from that one botched surgery. If you go to YouTube and simply type in transition regret, you can hear the number of gays uh, of men and women who aren't even religious, who went through the process and bought the lie, who are in tears and, in, and devastated because they now know they were guinea pigs. And the doctors don't give a flip because at the end of the day, they get paid and they're making a lot of money off of these patients because there has to be a lot of follow up. But these patients lives are destroyed because they are left to pick up the pieces. Um, for the women um, to even try to have the male appendage, it's you have to have one surgery where they they scrape a lot of of meat off of your arm or perhaps other areas of your body to fashion this fake penis, which then you have to have a surgery to have a pump inserted to where you get it to pump up to be erect, and you can't even pee out of it. Oh, urinate, sorry. Um, 
what I'm saying is it's all a joke. The men are not women and the women aren't men, but they want us to believe it. And they are bound and determined to make us believe that you can change your gender. It's an agenda and it is a narrative, but it is all a lie. And if you'll listen to the testimonies of those individuals who've gone down that path, it's, it's tragic. And I think the people who pushed this, they need to be held accountable and arrested. You know, I, I appreciate the strength of that statement, George, because even as you're describing that, you know, we saw Matt Walsh put together that uh, What is a Woman documentary recently and uh, and uh, sit with um, sit with a surgeon or a you know, surgeon who just spoke so arrogantly and confidently. But even as you just described the situation, yeah, that's that's the situation on the ground. Like the situation is, is when you cut yourself up and mutilate yourself, you deal with very physical consequences. And, you know, it's it, it is a form of idolatry that we've put uh, such an, an emphasis in these these medical gods, so to speak, that they that they could that they could mess with the body that is so complex, uh, and there not be major problems. No, no, no. These, these, like you said, these doctors are just being unethical. They're being fraudulent, and they're willing to see how far they can go with you, and they get paid no matter what. And so, uh, you know, we we we've been. You know, my listeners have been watching the medical community struggle ethically for the last two years, and this is a very, this is a very egregious example of the medical community just turning the blind eye slash getting involved with mutilation. And yeah, what you've described is just so normal. Yeah, go ahead, George. I just wanted to say too, for the parents who have daughters. The number of women, and I know of one former trans male, and she told me this personally. Uh, she's a friend of mine. But when she had her breasts removed and her internal organs removed, and God dealt with her, and she eventually came back to Christ, and she has recently gotten married to a man who knows her story. But she has to live with the regret that she now longs so badly for a family and to have children, and she can't do it because she bought the lie. And she still has to deal with the 5 o'clock shadow from all of the excessive testosterone that she took. And I want Christians to understand when you support this agenda, what you are doing is slap, in essence, slapping God in the face and saying that you made the mistake and we're going to fix it. It's an assault on God's name and his character. And for Christians who support, this is not a, a political thing as much as Democrats are the one liberals push these policies. And when you vote for those policies, you are harming these children and you're going to answer to God for it. Now, if you did it out of ignorance, ask God to forgive you and repent, but change the way and try to help these individuals and get counseling, lead them to Christ. The Holy Spirit will do the work, but do not support this agenda. And if you continue to do that, you will answer to God for it because now you can't claim ignorance. It is a, it is so offensive to God to think that he made a mistake when he says he knew us when he formed us in the womb. God does not make mistakes. This agenda needs to be halted. And Mike, I don't know if you know this, there's actually a a group called LGB Alliance where they want the T dropped from the LGBT agenda because they are fed up with this transgender agenda. They have hijacked 
that that movement has hijacked the L, the gay lesbian rights, and there are gays and lesbians and even drag queens speaking out about it. They are ticked off. There's kind of like a, a a little bit of a civil war going in with the going on within the LGBT community, even with this issue. They want there are actually fair minded gays and lesbians who want the children left alone. They do not agree that this sex ed sex ed curriculum should be even even be taught in the school system. Well, th- this is the this is the historical problem with uh, the left, and it's the historical problem with sin. Is that um, I, mm-hmm. I remember reading an article when I was you know twenty two years old, reading an art- article from an, an abortionist, and one of the strategies uh, with that abortionist uh, was to gather all of the other movements together in order to um, attack. Uh, you know what, what they perceived as, as as a bigger group, and of course, this is what we have with critical theory, where we have you know pitting women versus men uh, against men, pitting black against whites, pitting ind- indigenous against colonialists, pitting you know e- e- critical theory always wants to find an oppressor and and an oppressed, and for a while the critical theorist will 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 merge together all of those people in what they would call the oppressed groups and say, well, look, if we work together and, and, and the issue is that you, you um, number one, most of these presumptions are built on absurdity and a, and a desire just to have license. And so people who are pursu- per- really pursuing uh, a license to do whatever they want slash live an unhealthy lifestyle uh, um, and and inevitably, then those groups start infighting and clashing because one does not actually represent the other, you know. Uh, and uh, it, you know, if, if you saw the, if, if you kind of know the the socialist history, you kind of have seen this coming for a while. But um, you know, transgenderism is just another a very harmful way for people to cope with some of the things that they've gone through and some of the temptations that they have. And I think George, I've really appreciated you you're being so clear about it. We need to call them to repent of their sin, to, to trust the Lord's design and um, to, to find Christ and to, and to, and to seek a relationship with the Lord and, and seek a healthy community. Um, because again, the, 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 this is such a damaging lifestyle. You talk about you, you talk about a gay man struggling with HIV. That's horrible. You talk about it. Another person who's like cut off his penis and is now dealing with an open, festering, bloody, smelling wound. Like, like the, these are these are awful choices for people. And um, I so George, I just I, I just appreciate. I want to say I, I want to say that I almost want to say the tension in the room, and what I mean by this, George, is that in having this conversation, there is legitimate, ongoing discussion that everybody needs to have about how we are going to counsel, deal with, call to repentance, support, care for individuals. Um, it, it's not an easy subject to delve into at all, I, I, and I'm thankful for for your opinion and your transparency, um, but the one thing that just leave our listeners with, and you said it a number of times, if you go out and you support these things, if if you don't, if you shrink away from the truth and, and you jump on this side to suppress the truth, you are leading people to hell. And I want to say hell on earth. 
and you know the way that sin leads to decay and then eventually it leads to death and then we're talking about eternal damnation apart from the lord do not affirm this lifestyle you can support individuals care for individuals love individuals and you can uh, at the same time be both active uh, in your own church politically in your relationships to combat the deception and the idolatry that's all going on within this lifestyle. George, thank you for being on. Oh, I just want to say something to Christians real quickly. Be mindful of your tone of voice about homosexuals. I think as a kid, if I had been around someone when I'm hearing gays or Christians make such derogatory remarks about homosexuals, that's what kept me from opening up to anyone. Had I heard some Christians say, you know what? In spite of them being a homosexual, I would certainly love on them and would try to to guide them on the right path. And I would be a friend to them to at least have sent a message to me that that person would have been a safe place to talk to. And I think it's so important for pastors who set the tone in their church to stand up and set such a tone that even if you are struggling with this issue, or if you're a woman who's had an abortion, or if you've been in the porn industry, or you've had any kind of addictions that we're not here to judge and condemn. We're here to, here to lift everyone up that we all come to know Jesus and live and lift up the body of Christ, try to help people in bondage. Time is short, have compassion and empathy. And remember at the end of the day, hate the agenda, but love those individuals because God loves them. And Jesus died on the cross for them as well. Well, folks, we've dealt into another uh, deep conversation and George, it's been great to have you on with me. Uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I want to hear people be clear and transparent about how Christ can change their life and the, and the things that they're dealing with. Um, so again, folks, uh, you can go to georgecarneal.com. George, you mentioned another website that I just want you to repeat again. And that maybe that was trans regret or something regret. It's, his name is Walt, W-A-L-T, higher, H-E-Y-E-R. I think it's Sex Change Regret. But if you type in his name, it'll pop up. And um, he can at least give you some insight on the transgender side of things as well. A great resource for parents who have, L who have trans children. Okay. And Mike, may I add one more thing? If I come off strong in what I'm saying, it's for this reason. This, this whole movement being in that lifestyle nearly destroyed my life. And I don't want to see any of those kids go through it. And what infuriates me is that knowing the hell I went through in that life and what I went through trying to get out of that life, it infuriates me when Christians affirm it because I'm the one who gets the emails from the parents and especially pastors. They are so distraught over having LGBT kids. They don't know what to do and it's tearing homes apart. I know if one parent supports it and one doesn't, we're talking divorce right there. I hear the horror stories and the pain of these families, and I, it just infuriates me that anyone would get on board with this agenda. So please turn from it and let's help these individuals. Yeah. And George, you're not coming across strong. I, I think you'd come across, you know, if I were to judge it out of 10, you know, you're coming across at like a 6.5 of clarity and then real empathy. And, uh, you know, I, I probably might be at an 8.5 of clarity but with a lot of em empathy in the sense of I, I, you know, I, I have this formative relationship with, 
with this uh, with this friend many many years ago where we just had this open and and it was just very transparent it was it was actually all a lot of stuff we talked about today i found out when i was 19 cuz i'd be like okay dude what about this and he'd tell me about it and then he'd come back and say well what about you and um, I want to say that there was mm-hmm. judgment there in the in the in the appropriate way of the warning of Scripture, and then condemnation will be left to the Lord. Uh, but judgment was there to you know for him to say, "Hey, look, you and I talked about that yesterday, but I, I knew you know I know you were out you were out doing that last night. You know, aren't you going to get your life with right with Christ?" And and um, if the church would be more. I, th- I think look more severely on sin. And, and I don't mean that in that pharisaical sense, because I think that's where we tend to, we can really easily fall into a pharisaical view of sin where <laughs> I'm, I, I'm glad I'm not that guy, but no more yeah. <laughs> really say, Lord, I've got to deal with me and, and be very open and transparent with the, the, the depths of depravity. We, I do believe firmly we have to reteach the church the depth of the darkness of the human heart and not romanticize anybody. But then the flip side of that is that should make us all empathetic with each other. It should make us be willing to forgive our brothers. It it would make us willing to partner, walk along the way with individuals. And so I've appreciated this. And so you're not coming across hard. um, And I, and, and you're, you're, you're speaking from experience. So I want to learn from that as well. So thank you for coming on and everybody look at, this is a big topic. Uh, George has got personal experience here. Would you please go out, share this video, give us a five-star rating. It always helps and uh, support the ministry of uh, having these long form conversations that we have in order to have better understanding of the issues. Thanks everybody. Godspeed.